Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the latest edition of Eagle Eyed View. My name is Lee Wilmot. I'm joined today by Crystal Palace reporter Rob Warlow. Hi, Rob. Hi, Lee. And we've also got Scott Trotter with us, a football digital writer. Hi, Scott. Hello. Um, we are privileged today in that we've got two people here who were at the game at the weekend. <laughs> um, Crystal Palace drew one all with Newcastle, um, coming from a goal down to, to get the point. Um, I'm going to start with Scott. Um, how was the experience of uh, Southwest Park, Scott, and, and how was the game? Um, I think it was very much a game of two halves, if there ever was one. Um, oh, we're starting the podcast with a cliche. <laughs> Love it. Um, Palace started really slowly. Um, I think I saw them against Burnley a couple of weeks ago, and it was kind of the complete opposite of that performance. Um, against Burnley, they were kind of high intensity, pressing really hard, and that wasn't the case at all in the first half at uh, Selhurst. Um, the fans were up for it, but it didn't quite seem like the players were so much, and that gave John Joe Shelby quite a lot of time um, just to spray the balls like he does and I think that really told the story because you don't give John Joe Shelby time um, and it, yeah, it just never quite clicked they struggled from the set piece again and uh, kind of weak defending allowed Newcastle to grab the goal and then come the second half it was just a lot better um, they looked like they wanted it and they just pressed and pressed and attacked and attacked and that's how it probably should have looked for 90 minutes when you look at the quality between the two sides Um so I think, as a Palace, you'd probably be disappointed not to get the win, given how much pressure they had in the second half, but I think more disappointed because of how they played in the first half. Well, the, that lack of intensity, Rob, was perhaps missing Bakary Sacco? Potentially, yeah. I mean, it, he, he has been in form recently, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think it, it's something they need to rectify, these slow starts, because it's not the first time that it's happened. I mean... You know, you only have to think a couple of weeks ago back at Arsenal. You know, they, they were that was a terrible first half from them then. Um, I was there. You were there. Yeah, <laughs> you, you you witnessed that. Um, even at West Ham, I mean, they they yes, they took the lead in that game, but I didn't think they actually did that well in the first fifteen twenty minutes. And neither did Roy Hodgson. He said that you know it was almost against the run of play. They they got the lead in that game, and I think it is a, a, something they need to look at. You know, they're not they're not starting games well enough and they keep having to come from behind which you know yes they've got the ability inside to do it but I think you're always putting you know you're starting on the back foot if you if you don't get going straight from mm. the off you know it, you're in a much better position if you can take the game to particularly at home take the game to the opponent from the off and you know if, if you get up an early goal sometimes if particularly if you're at home with the, you know the vocal backing that they get from the supporters at Sellers Park they could push on from that and win the game quite comfortably but actually on on Sunday as Scott said it, it was the opposite you know they started poorly and 
probably at half time they probably couldn't have argued if Newcastle were tuned up because although they didn't create you know they didn't carve Palace open and create the chances it was that sort of performance from Palace mm. in the first half where you thought well actually they don't deserve to be anything but at least a goal down in this one second half yeah totally the opposite and the amount of chances they did create they they could have won that game in another two probably yeah. but you know they they didn't put the chances away they it just didn't quite fall for them I don't think it was necessarily bad finishing on in every chance they had it was just sometimes you know some last ditch defending some, a good couple of good blocks on the line from from Newcastle you know they they did earn their point in, in the way they defended in the second half so I think yes they'll look back at it and say it was a game we probably should have won but against the team that you're playing you know that's in and around you, you you've got to make sure you don't lose these games it was a really poor goal to concede as well wasn't it for mm. the corner that just kind of low trajectory that wasn't cleared and Diarmo was left completely free at the back post yeah I think they've, they've got to look at that as well set pieces in the way they're defending them I mean again looking at that Arsenal game yeah we were talking ago. about that a couple of weeks ago in the podcast yeah. weren't we and they obviously didn't learn the lesson because as you say it was far too simple a goal I mean Diarmo was left completely unmarked at the back post to, yeah, to yeah. tap home from five yards so they've got to look at that it just looked like confusion though as if mm. nobody knew who actually had him because nobody kind of really thought oh that's my man sorry it was just nobody knew no no they're, they're all looking at each other sort of wanting someone to blame but not sure who to yeah. you know, it, that's got to come down to organisation you know and, and I don't think that's something that you can often criticise Roy Hodgson for no. He's, he, he generally does get his sides organised but for some reason in the last couple of weeks they seem to have gone backwards defensively in, at least at set pieces we're, um, we were laughing beforehand although we should, probably shouldn't laugh at Crystal Palace's plight um, that um, a fan on Twitter saying that there's injury Russian roulette or injury betting going on another one Martin Kelly suffering at the weekend yeah yeah I mean he, he Roy Hodgson said it's, it's slightly unusual they haven't had many muscle injuries because he said a lot of a lot of the long term ones they've got are contact injuries you know like a, a, a cruciate knee ligament they've had Scott Dan and Jason Punchin go down with both of those in that in the same game when they were making tackles and yeah you could you could say that's the case I mean Sacco's obviously was a calf muscle problem it, it, they haven't had many of them but Kelly did go off he obviously felt something a tweak in his hamstring went off and I think they're hopeful that it might not be as long as first feared because mm. he went off so quickly um, now maybe that's a, a little bit of a lesson learned from the week before with Sacco because I, I wonder whether he made his injury worse by trying to come back on the field at West Ham um, he hobbled on two steps onto the field broke down and then had to go off again so I Maybe they did, you know, t- take the precaution with with Kelly and take him off early, and hopefully for for his sake and for Palace's that it's not as bad as first feared. The bigger headline news, obviously, though, is the the injury to to Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, I mean that that's a massive blow, isn't it? And we don't know yet the exact extent and how long it's going to be, but we're we're hearing weeks um, could be towards the end of March potentially. Um, obviously, we we all know you know the statistics bear out what what people know about Will Bizarre and how important he is to the team. I mean, they've you know when he had that injury at the start of the season, he missed almost two months. Palace didn't win a game, didn't score a goal when he was not in the team. So, I think, it, yeah, if he's out for anything around a month, six weeks, it's a big blow. And 
they're going to have to look to others to step up because yeah. you know you, you don't want them to slip back. They've done so well to get to this position where they are, a few, you know, three points outside the relegation zone. Obviously, you can't plan for injuries and things, but you don't want that to all that hard work to go to waste. And if they were to lose, you know, they've got they've got a tough run coming up. They've got Everton at the weekend, then they've got Tottenham, Man United, Chelsea. If they lose all four of those, they'll probably be back in the bottom three, and all of a sudden it becomes a big battle again. Yeah. So it it's difficult. I know that the, the injury problems are, are what they are, and you know, Palace have been unfortunate in that sense. They're not the only team. There are others as, as well in that bottom half who've got a lot of injuries to contend with. But I think it's the the number and the importance of those players that keep getting injured that is really hitting Palace at the moment. Do you think there's an element of burnout in the players as well because they're relying on the same players all the time so um, it's a bit slower? They haven't had that many games though, have they? No, because I mean, you know, they went out of the FA Cup in the third round. They they had what fourth round of the, the League Cup. I can't. You can't say that's too many games, can you? I mean, other than that, it's your, your bread and butter of the league. Mm. And yes, I take your point that they're using the majority of the same players when they're fit. And I guess you know we've come off the back of the, the congested festive period that there is an element of that that people could you know be more susceptible to an injury. But I, I think they they have just been generally quite unlucky with some of the ones that they've got. I mean. With with Zaha, it looked like it was a knock on Saturday, and he looked. It was for, for me. It reminded me of the Huddersfield um, game at the start of the season when, again, he, he took a knock that day and it carried on to the end of the game. And you know, you wouldn't have said he. I would have said he got better as the game went on on Sunday. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a case of he was limping around and struggling. He, he I thought he got better as the game went on. I didn't think it was his best game by any stretch, but. He certainly was a big part of Palace getting on the front foot in the second half, and yeah, it, but it reminded me of you know when we see obviously on Monday that he potentially out for a few weeks, very reminiscent of that at Huddersfield game because that's exactly what happened on the opening day. He got you know a knock then, mm. was then in, a knee injury and he was out for two months. So hopefully for Palace fans, it's not as long as as that. Um, I've seen a few people say, well, if it's the next four weeks or four games, then you know, did we expect much out of them anyway? Well, <laughs> I don't know. If you're a Palace fan, you probably should should expect something out of those games, given the Palace's recent yeah. past against the top teams. But I think, yeah, undoubtedly, it's a big blow if, if he's out for anything around four to six weeks or, or more. Um, and Palace again, they've got to go with what they've got now in terms of squad. They can't go and dip into a transfer market. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going you're to be seeing perhaps the likes of Erdel Rakip and. Alexander Surlock playing well involved in at least in the squad um, if not coming off the bench because I think they're going to have to be I was going to say um, as Palace got onto the front foot on Sunday there a little bit of surprise that Surlock wasn't uh, thrown on for his debut to, to see if he could offer something Roy Hodgson was asked afterwards you know were you not tempted to put him on for at least 10 minutes and, and he said well, I've only seen him in two training sessions before this and he hadn't played competitively for six weeks because he was obviously at FC Midtjylland yeah. in, in Denmark and their season finished in November so he's been almost in a pre-season sort of state for the last few weeks he's been out in Dubai and training out there so you can understand perhaps why he didn't want to throw him in that quickly I think you'd expect to see him involved in some capacity this weekend perhaps maybe again probably starting on the bench but 
depending on how the game is going, perhaps being thrown on for 15, 20 minutes at the end. Um, Roy Hodgson did say, you know, he, he was reluctant to throw him in at the deep end so soon after joining, and he'd rather he had a couple of weeks training with the players. Yeah. And obviously after this weekend, they've got a break because of the FA Cup, with them not being in it. So I think, yeah, you, I don't think you'll see him starting this weekend, not unless there's more injuries between now and then. Um, I think it is probably going to be a case of him being on the bench and possibly coming on for 15, 20 minutes. And we'll probably um, see you've brought him up as well, Odell Rakip as well, won't we? Because it is only a loan currently, isn't it? We, mm-hmm. we don't know whether he's actually going to sign permanently at the end of the season. So he's got to be given a chance sooner or later because it's got to be sooner because there is no later, mm-hmm. really. The, the season is running out. So what was the point of bringing him in if he's if he's not going to get some game time? And he obviously scored in the 23s this week. He did, yeah. I think that got a few Palace fans excited seeing, <laughs> seeing that and saying, right, he's a goal-scoring midfielder. I think even a couple might have uh, jokingly likened him to uh, Lionel Messi. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think let's not expect too much from the, from the, from the guy. But, yeah, he, I, I think he'll be involved sooner rather than later because, as you say, there has to be that, that you know, he's... He is on loan to the end of the season. There are only 12 games left now. Mm. So if he's going to make an impact and stake a claim for being signed permanently, he's got to do it in the, in the coming weeks and months. And Yeah, I, I think Roy has been saying that both he and Yaroslav Yak weren't ready for the first team yet and would need a bit of time to adapt. But I think because of the injuries that Palace have, they're not going to get yeah. as much time as he perhaps would have wanted. So I think you'll see perhaps Rakip involved in the squad this weekend if not especially after. given Zaha's injury yeah especially given that because you know, you've got to look at the options that Roy has now and he I, I personally think he'll go with James MacArthur and a little bit wider possibly bring in someone like Jairo Wiedewald in, in yeah. the middle and push uh, Johan Kabai further forward to where MacArthur's been playing I think that's kind of probably the logical solution otherwise he's got to look at something like Patrick Van Aanholt being played further forward and perhaps Pat Suarez coming in at left-back. So, uh, you know, he has obviously got the likes of Chung Yong Lee in the squad as well, who could come, he's played you know, in a wider role before, but he is more central as a natural position. I, I think, personally, he'll try and go with his trust, tried and trusted, you know, what he knows, and James MacArthur is that. And, and we've seen Jairo Vidal when he's coming yeah. and played recently, he hasn't done a bad job. So that's the way I would expect him to go on, on Saturday. Um, just uh, going back to something you said um, in Surlot hasn't had any kind of preparation because um, the, the Danish season finished mm. um, Premier League this week exploring the possibility of a winter break um, thoughts Scott on, on potential of that coming in well I'm usually really resistant to it because I love the festive period of football but I don't think these proposals intend or impact that at all I think it's meant to be for later January so it's kind of a little bit harder to come up with an argument against <laughs> it I think um, I, say I presume it's meant to try and better England's performance yeah. in international tournaments and improve English teams performance in Champions Leagues and things like that so positive but don't know how much of a build up it might create towards the end of the season add to that workload um, but if it's sort of two week period I think we're talking about missing two games to extend that a bit of a wreck I don't think there's any real harm in it although apart from missing a couple of weeks of football <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult one to kind of fit in as you say with that argument that you want the festive fixtures to remain because that is a big part of English football 
Um, and then you'll probably get the bigger teams arguing that Champions League starts as February comes around. So the, when when do you then fit in two weeks and getting getting players back up to to scratch in time for the Champions League starting again? I think you've got to look at the, look at the other European countries. They will manage it. They have a break, don't they? Yeah. So what, why can't England? You know, I, I do see the point. You know, a lot of players come over here to England and say, oh, you know, it is a, a tiring schedule because you don't have a break, and I. I I can see that, you know, when it comes around to a major tournament, England don't have a great record in, in recent years. And you have to look at what's the differences between England and, and other countries and that is one of the major differences. Yeah. So And that they don't have as good players usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that also has a, has, a, has a part to play, I'm sure. But, That's a whole other podcast <laughs> yeah. right there. I, I personally would think it'd be a good idea and if it does come in in January, hey, it might give teams a bit of a chance to get some transfers in sooner rather than later yeah, in January one thing I, interesting thing I did see somebody suggest if you had like a two week break or whatever is then do you put the transfer window within that two weeks when there's no football and why not put that most most, most clubs leave it to the last minute anyway <laughs> yeah, so least, why, not, why, not, why not just have a day in the middle of January and they can do it then um, just finally uh, Everton this weekend um, Sam Allardyce mm-hmm. Cenk Tosin Umar Nias there's uh, palace links everywhere there, really, yeah. aren't there? Yannick Balassi uh, as well. Balassi, of course, yes. I'm sure the fans would love to see him um, on the pitch, as long as he doesn't do anything against them. <laughs> yeah. um, what, what are we thinking um, for, for this weekend? Um, a classic Sam Allardyce performance for, from his team and trying to keep it tight against his old club? I think it's difficult to call, call what a classic performance is for <laughs> from Everton at the moment, isn't it? I think they're uh, they're so Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, one week they've been very good, and then the next week they get hammered five one at Arsenal. So it depends which Everton turns up. To be honest, I I would expect them to be a bit stronger at home. I think they'll be looking for a reaction after last week, and I don't know whether it'll play a part with with for Sam Allardyce playing against Palace for the first time since leaving. I doubt it, to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it, it's it becomes so common in football these days that you come up against your old team. Um, I, I don't see that really having a bearing. I, I think you know the biggest thing for Palace is if they can try and get something from the game because if they haven't got Wilfred Zaha, they haven't got you know Scott Dan, Jason Punch, and Bakary Taco, Loftus Cheek, you know Wickham. It's a, it's an ever growing injury list, isn't it? And I think they. They would do well to go to, to Goodison Park and get something, but they've got a good record there. So, yeah. you know, they'll probably go there thinking we can get something. Um, given it, given how Everton have been performing recently, why not? I, I think a point would be a good result up at Everton. Um, but I think they've got to keep the likes of Theo Walcott quiet. You know, I think he's starting to sort of make an impact mm. at Everton. All right, not against Arsenal, but before that, I think two goals against Leicester. Um, and Everton have got players, despite the fact they've been so con- inconsistent. They have got players that can hurt you. You know, the likes of Gilfie Sigurdsson, Wayne Rooney could still got it. You know, they, they've got players who can hurt Palace. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have to be on their on their game. But I, I don't see a reason why they can't get anything. Do you think they sort of target three points here more than what they usually would with the run in that comes afterwards? I know Hodgson says that they think they can get points in every game, but yeah. at the same time, it's still Manchester United, Tottenham, like. Everton's a chance, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, as I said, Everton have been so inconsistent of late that you know if they don't turn up, why not? Why can't they go and win it? It, it all depends, really, on probably. I know people say we only worry about ourselves, but in this case, it probably does depend on how Everton play yeah. because I think they've been so hard to predict and judge recently that 
you can't you can almost can't plan for what you're expecting from Everton so you know we, we say what maybe a typical Sam Allardyce team's performance but Everton haven't been that you know they, they did well when he came in for the first, first few games and then they've really dipped and been a bit up and down so I think Palace will, will obviously go there with their own game plan they'll they'll probably try and soak up pressure if it comes and and try and catch them on the counter but obviously without Zaha the threat is not completely diminished but you know it's less of an attacking threat because you know that with Zaha he can produce something out of nothing they've got other players who can but they're going to need the likes of Benteke and Townsend to step up you know if they're, if they're going to get something from us you're probably, Palace fans probably hoping that um, Allardyce sticks with his uh, formation change from from the weekend. He went three at the back to in, in order to fit Eliakim Mangala into the uh, side, didn't he? And it didn't really work out against Arsenal. I'd, I'd be surprised. If <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll, you'll probably get back to a, a black back four. Yeah. You know? I think you'll probably see Seamus Coleman come in. He didn't play at the weekend because I think it was deemed too much, two games yeah. in four or five days. You know, he's had ten days now since the last game. I think he'd probably be ready for this one. I think you probably see more of what you'd expect. Jagiel Keane maybe at the back for them. Yeah, I was going to say if you're Ben Teke and you see uh, either Ashley Williams or Mangala in that back four, you probably start rubbing your hands together a little bit don't yeah. you, at the minute. Well, ben ben Teke's got a good record though. You know, he scored up there last year at Everton. I've got a feeling he scored there a few times with with Villa as well. Um, so yeah, he'll probably fancy his chances going back there. I know he hasn't scored many goals this season, but he's got you know, you keep wanting him to make the most of these chances you know it's not like he's get not getting them it's just I think there's a lack of confidence a bit and he's not quite finishing yeah. when you would hope you know a, someone who, who would regularly get 15-16 goals a season as you'd expect him to finish yeah well, I think he's already, always been a streaky striker mm. and he thrives on confidence but I guess he's just not getting that second goal after he gets the first one at the minute and it's just not happening yeah I mean he had a couple of chances on the weekend didn't he and, yeah. and, you know, there's one where he, I think he was put through one on one and you would expect a confident striker to put it away but Carl Darlow made the save and it was a good save but I think you just sort of saw that, it, that there was that lack of confidence that played, that played a part in the finish because it, it just didn't look like a you know, finish of conviction You had seen it a couple of weeks prior as well when he went through yes they were 4-0 down against Arsenal but when he went through against Arsenal mm. and just blasted the ball straight at check when yeah. a confident Menteke would have done something else Yeah yeah. I mean yeah, both of his goals this year, this year have been with his head I know he is, he is very yeah. strong in the air. Um, perhaps he needs to, like Scott says, to back back it up with, you know, once he's got one, get a second in the next game or in that same game. You know, if he can get two, two in a row, then I think yeah. you'll see suddenly the confidence will start to flow again. And it might be that it takes two headers, you know, in a row and then he suddenly gets it back and scores with his feet. But he is at the moment, I would say, lacking a bit of confidence in front of goal. Right, we'll call time there. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Scott. All your latest Crystal Palace news is on croydonadvertiser.co.uk and we will be back with another eagle-eyed view next week. Thanks for listening.